You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 84, covering Deja Q and A Matter of Perspective with Kevin Lynch. Hello, friends. We are back once again. How are are you guys? We never know how to do this. Flonk's here. How about that? Hey. Hey, buddy. We just uh, do a quick recap here. I reviewed Star Trek V, Armis, and Casino Planet. So, <laughs> oh, God. You know, well, why don't we just uh, not right that I don't your, appreciate uh, you guys inviting me on here, but uh, you'll forgive just, me if I don't get super excited about the caliber of episode you guys have me review. I just, well, by that is- logic, you should have been here last week. Mm. Yeah. For those two, for those two episodes that you and Gav insisted were not bad, oh, <laughs> they weren't. Well, you're watching Voyager right uh, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my my perspective is quite skewed at the moment. Right. You wouldn't know good taste if it came up and bit you in the ass. <laughs> I like Jaws. Oh, that's all right. Who doesn't like Jaws? You. Yeah, you. I, I like Jaws just fine. I just don't quote it all the time like Matt. <laughs> Jaws is wonderful. It was a fine movie that I saw once and never again. Anyway, Flonk, why don't you instead tell us about Deja Q? Yeah, all right. Which I don't think has any sharks in it, but I could be mistaken. Mm. There's one in the back. No, okay. All right, let's see what crap I'm reviewing this time. I'll just press play here and... Hey, wait a second. I think I remember this one. It's a Q episode. This this is a good episode. I actually get to review a good episode. Oh, this is fantastic. I love this one. This is the greatest day. Just this once, Rose, everyone lives. Ah! <coughs> oh, sorry about that. I got so excited, my, got, my references got all crossed. I'll just reroute the primary PCR field through the McFarlane buffer. <laughs> there we go. All right, where was I? Oh, yeah, so this episode rules. Q shows up, and he's all like, help me, JLP. You're my only, oh, only hope. And Picard's like, shut up, dick. And Q is all, no, really, bro, I need help. And Nails is like, dude, go away, we're busy. And put some pants on. See, the moon of Brielle 4 is about to fall on its planet, and quite frankly, Picard doesn't have time to put up with Q's bullshit right now, and if he finds out Q had anything to do with this, there will be hell to pay. After much mockery, Q convinces everyone that he's telling the truth, and he really just wants to be part of the crew and hang around with his good, great friend Jean-Luc. Then some pissy, swirly energy dudes show up to try to kill Q. That'll happen. Jordy has, admittedly with Q's help, figured out how to save the planet, but to do that, they'll have to lower the shields and the catamaran or whatever will be able to get Q. After one failed attempt, which results in Data getting Chris Reeve for all his trouble, Q accidentally commits a selfless act, and having learned his lesson, gets his power restored like so much Thor. He then refers to the truth that he then returns to the continuum to cause so much more trouble. When I, when I go on and on about season three, it's like the, the highs are so high, and this may be the best Q episode, maybe a part of Tapestry. damn good one. It's definitely yeah, the best one we've done so well, far. Well, Tapestry, I mean, it's a Q episode, but it's not a Q well, it episode. it doesn't have Q in the title, yeah. so, you know. Well, I mean, it's, it's a Picard episode, whereas this one is a Q episode. That's yeah. true. However, I would say that this is also sort of second-tier, kind of a Data episode. There's a lot yeah, going on definitely. with Data yeah. in this episode, which I quite like. Uh, <laughs> let's go right into your good thing, bad thing. Uh, well, my quote is actually my good thing. Um, so for right now, I'm just going to go with the mariachi band because who doesn't love a mariachi band? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a bit um, near the end where where Q's so happy that you know he he didn't uh, die, and he wants to thank them for uh, for everything that they've done. And yeah, he makes uh, wackiness happen. And usually, I hate that. 
But actually, I'm not a fan of wackiness. But after uh, a reasonably serious episode like this, just the sheer insanity of a mariachi band showing up, it it really works for for you. Cigars in people's hands and everything. Yeah, everybody celebrate! I'm immortal again. We, you guys, uh, not so much, but me. (laughs) No, it is it is fantastic. Um, and your bad thing. Uh, this second Q that shows up at the end, he was a little too over the top, even by Q standards. Yeah, that's uh, L.A. Law's Corbin Burnson, and all of us are saying, who the fuck is L.A. Law's Corbin Burnson? What is L.A. <laughs> Law time, and who is Corbin Burnson? Yes. At the time, he w- it was a big celebrity poll, like a, b- a nice cameo at the end there. But uh, yeah, now we're like, who the fuck is that? When uh, when your acting style makes uh, John Delancey look subtle, you're probably overplaying it a little yeah, as, as Fong pointed bit. out, he was gnawing on the scenery, and when, when you're the only other guy in the scene besides Delancey as Q, then yeah, there's a serious Time problem. to dial things back a bit. And he, he's just a really bad Nicholson impression, if anything. And you got your powers back. Well, geez, Q, I'm always having to explain you to the other galaxies we visit. We already had one Nicholson impersonator in Star Trek, we don't need two. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that's happened yet, Uh-oh. technically. I mean, chronologically, it has, it has happened, saw it, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> Now, you had a note here about Voyager. Did you yeah, want to... um, Voyager, I, one of the ones I just watched, takes the, the... The more you explain the concept of the Q continuum, the less sense and the more stupid it gets, and Voyager yeah, actually go ran there, with that. They? Yeah, yeah they, they go, and it's an old mining town or something. Their their version of that, like what the continuum turns out to be, is so utterly, utterly stupid. And well, you boring. take the awe and majesty of the universe, which is what the Q mm-hmm. continuum essentially is, and mm-hmm. it's a broken down gas station. Yeah, it's an yeah. old shack by a road, and everyone gets to take turns. With an old being man something. with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to being the scarecrow next week. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Overall, it was a good episode. It, it involved a Q who wanted to commit suicide, and, and mm-hmm. that that part was interesting. But when they actually went there, it was, it was dumb. I, it's just it's just another example of just explaining too much, you know. Yep. The Q continuum was a great sort of. They never really told us what it was. They just sort of hinted that there was this place or, you know, yeah. a plane of, of of existence or something that these guys lived in, and that's all you got, and mm-hmm. that's all you needed, and your your brain could fill in the rest. Yeah. It's it's like uh, it's like with the Borg. They stop being they stop being interesting when we see when we when they get explained too much. No, I was just gonna say when a tiny ship with no support manages to defeat cube after cube after cube, maybe the yeah. Borg are in his threat. No, and and I agree with both of you guys and all that stuff. It's just we're not there yet. Let's enjoy mm-hmm. what we have before it gets ruined. And this one was awesome. And right now it's Q being great, and later on the Borg will be there and they'll still be great. So it's it's not ruined yet. Uh, my good thing is I've said it before and I'll say it again. Delancey is just perfect. He's yep. over the top when he needs to be, but never in a scenery chewing Harry Mud sort of way. It's just enough to put everybody off balance, and there's still some menace and even some weakness here. He gets so much acting to do, and he nails everything. Yep. Yeah, he gets a scene with just about everybody, and and Flunk pointed out, yeah, it was a little little sloppy that they sort of march out each crew member, but it they, still they it, it was kind of yeah, yeah, happened. exactly. It, it was kind of that part was kind of lame, but it managed to so they did it in a good way. He had a good scene with everybody. This is like the best way they could they could have like they had to have him talk to everyone because I mean right. You know, yeah, this that, is an unprecedented opportunity. If you're yeah. only going to do this once, you need to milk it for everything you can. So, I mean, the episode, you know, the episode might suffer slightly for that while making sense, but it definitely makes up for it just it, by all these great scenes. I would say the episode didn't do a lot of 
like there were a few contrivances here and there, but for the most part, they got everything they could get out of this concept without overstaying mm-hmm. its welcome and without really twisting the internal logic of the show. Well, I mean, if you really want to poke at it, the episode ends with a literal deus ex machina. A god yeah. shows up and fixes everything. Yeah, but it That's happens because point, because yeah. Q had a character arc because yeah, no. he actually did a selfless act. There's a, the, the character grows and learns something and develops, which is what characters are supposed to do. Right. No, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying it's there. Right. But it, but in this case, it, in, in a very rare case, it actually you know works this time. Yeah. Because we were you know we were given Chekhov's cue at the beginning, and it paid <laughs> off in the last act, so it's okay. I was wondering why he was lying on that table. <laughs> Naked. Naked. Um, and uh, my bad thing. Uh, well, the the aliens from Briel Four, who we we decided, I think, what have anuses for mouths? Is yeah. that what it was? <laughs> the the bunch of lamprey face motherfuckers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were the most passive aggressive aliens. Like, okay, their moon's about to follow them. The Enterprise, the best ship in the whole fleet, is here to help. And every time they try and fail, it's like, well, all our guys are about to die, but. You're doing your best, I guess. I mean, so, like, it's like their mom. No, yeah, it's like, okay. The life of that one guy that you don't really like is more important than the millions of lives on this planet. I understand. It's okay. You're doing your best, honey. It's all right. Oh, and your robot's broken, too. Well, yeah, that's, that's a rough. damn shame. Yeah. Matt, what do you got? Uh, okay, so my good, there's a, like we said, there's a ton of good things about this episode, but... Every scene is just like, if I had to pull a quote from this, there would have been like 10 candidates. I don't know how you picked one. Yeah, the one. quote was actually yeah. really hard, because there's so much good, like, interplay between um, Data and Q especially. It's just fantastic. Yep. I loved uh, I loved Data and Crusher for like the five seconds they had together. Or yeah, uh, and Q and Crusher, sorry. Yeah, and uh, Q and Worf. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a great bit where uh, he's like, how can I prove to you that I'm mortal? And Worf just says, die. Yeah, no, yes. such a great, such a great line reading by uh, by Dorn. Yep, everybody, and for one of the first times you see Worf smile. Oh yeah, no, he is thoroughly enjoying this. Where, where Picard says, "Take him to the brig," and he's like, "Yeah, <laughs> all right." <laughs> I love, uh, I love, uh, follow me or be carried. I yep. will, I will take the first option. <laughs> uh, no, but my, uh, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna pick a single good thing about this episode, it's Picard's expression when the mariachi band arrives. <laughs> There's a lot of great comedic acting, and the thing is, comedy doesn't have to be this goofy, over-the-top, like, that's my problem with the Robin Hood episode, is I think it's a bit campy, a bit over-the-top. This is a funny Q episode where I don't completely kind of roll my eyes. No, see, every, like, like, it's a funny episode, but everyone is acting in character. Yep. I love the idea that the entire crew is taking this as, as an opportunity to kick to kick Q in the ass, because they can. I- and nobody backs off from the nope. position that they should just let him die. Yeah. Every one of them, not, it's not like the crew learns their lesson at all. They nope. still hate Q at the end. They're just, they kind of like, well, maybe he's going to be a little better now. No, probably not. <laughs> Which he then comes back and says, yeah, I wouldn't count on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. no. I actually, uh, Al, you had a really good point uh, about this. One of you guys did anyway. Uh after this, we we start getting Q as a less of a villain and more of like a benevolent well, yeah, figure. The next one is the Robin Hood one, which yeah. is you know where he sort of comes back and thanks them. I guess is, yeah. is the idea for that. Less Mister Impossible, um, more Mister Mixkis Bullock. Yes, <laughs> right. And how do you get? To, how do you say Q backwards to make him go home? Though that's ook ook. Yeah, <laughs> you got to make him say ook three times. Yeah, and then the librarian shows up. Right <laughs> now, Q, um, I want you to pretend you're a monkey. <laughs> no, there's no uh, Q episode in season five, but there's two in season six. There's the one where there's uh, Amanda the Q, the the chick 
who discovers that she has Q powers. I have Q powers. Right. <laughs> generates then, so many hats. And then tapestry. So yeah, it goes back and forth, I guess, because he's a bit menacing in the uh, in True Q, the one I was just talking about. But uh, is that the that's the Amanda the Q one? Yes, where okay. uh, Olivia Diabo. Um, she went on to play other things that I can't think of right now. But yeah, her parents were Q, and she discovers that she's a Q, and and Q comes to make her decide whether she's gonna do that or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but, I, it's been way too long since I've seen that episode to. There's that, and then there's tapestry, and then there's the finale. So yeah, I mean, it. It, it sort of goes back and forth. Wow, I guess so. Yeah. Like sometimes he's he's a little more threatening. Sometimes he's a little more lighthearted. But it, it definitely gives him a lighter side now, which I like. Yeah, I mean, it, de- it definitely feels like he's no longer trying to kill anyone. Right, or even judge them. Yeah. And when they bring back the judgment thing in the finale, it's a bit like, oh, really? Huh? I thought you'd moved on from that. Oh, we're still Wait, doing this. That. All right. No. Okay. Oh, he's no, still I'm in that phase. That. I like the finale quite a bit, but uh... this is worse than Q's rap phase. <laughs> well, lots of hand... things rhyme with Q. <laughs> I picture him with a giant Q on a chain around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the judge outfit. Yes, obviously. Uh, and your bad thing, Matt? Uh Q two has an absolutely hideous haircut. <laughs> that was the style of the time. Yeah, that does not. That is no excuse. Yeah. You can decide to look like anything in the universe, and you look like that, huh? Look, early '90s guys with hair and and chicks with hair. That's just what hair looked like. Oops, that, that's, uh... You had the haircut, defended. didn't you? I defy you. Yeah, to I, did. To I had sh- that exact haircut. I defy you to sh- show me '90s hair of the chick in the next episode. Uh, that's a whole <laughs> other. That's that's in the next episode. We get the uh, hairstyle as alien design. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, hey, it's better than skunk hair. That's certainly true. Yeah. A lot of things are better than skunk hair. Everything is better than skunk hair. Good old skunk hair. No, this, I mean, when we get to the very end and we've done 178 Next Gens and I have to pick, like, my top ten, this might be up there. This is that good. Yep. There's so many funny lines and so many sort of poignant lines and just, it's actually one of the rare episodes where they explore the human condition and it doesn't make me want to stab my eye with needles. Yeah, it, this is one of those ones that you can basically show anyone, like... Like yeah. people who haven't, who don't watch Trek, you, you might just... have to tell them. You might have to give them a one sentence description of who Q is, and yeah, that's it. You're that's done. it. Yep. You can do that while the credits are rolling. Right. Um. There's there's so many good quotes. There's uh there's that one that Flunky said was almost your quote, which was uh, Data says it it means you have achieved in disgrace what I've always aspired to be. Yeah. 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 Pairing him up with Data and Data being his um sort of teacher about what it is to be human is exactly the kind of irony that I love. Yep. I love robots that are more human than humans. Yep. That's that's the kind of thing that I like. There's another bit in engineering where they're, like, trying to solve the problem. And he's like, well, it's obvious. Change the gravitational constant of the universe. Duh. <laughs> we can't do that. Oh. oh. There's a great one later where <laughs> Jordy's all pissed off that Q stole his best friend and, and he yells at him. And then uh, Q's like, well, who does he think he is yelling at me? And Data goes, he thinks he's in command, and he would be correct. <laughs> yep. And then, of course, there's the uh, showdown in Ten Forward with Gaina. Yeah, that was so friggin' cool, especially for not having any wizard duels. <laughs> that didn't bother me. I mean, it was funny, but uh, that never bothered me. I got nervous because I, really... I don't remember seeing her name in the opening credits, because um, uh-huh. it's usually there. Uh, right. And uh, when they first show up, she's not in Ten Forward. I'm like, oh, man, that was a really missed opportunity. Oh, wait, there she is. Yeah. Maybe oh, they boy. maybe they didn't put it there. I don't remember, but uh, maybe they didn't put it there just to surprise you. I don't yeah, know. it's possible we just missed it. I'm sure that could be. Yeah, I mean she but shows up in half the episodes anyway, so yeah. she just floats right by. Yeah, 
No, but that that is, and it's great because so many things pay off from his previous uh, appearance mm-hmm. in the Q Who. And really, what this is, this is the germ of the idea they introduced there. Where before he sends them off to the Borg, he shows up and says, "Hey, let me join the crew." And it's like a writer picked up on that and said, "That would be a really good episode." But he can't have his powers. Yeah, and then they just kind of went from there. I always thought that I don't know if we talked about this in that episode or not. I know we talked about it when we were watching the episode. I would have loved. To have had John Delancey as a regular crew member from this episode on. Well, I think I think there's a f- couple of guest stars. I think Flong pointed out at one point that the caliber of guest star overall in Next Gen is not great, and you're not particularly wrong, in no. the next episode. But particularly <laughs> in the next episode, but there's a handful of people that come back every now and then, and John Delancey's one of them. And um, what's her name? Who plays Kalar and Doctor Salar is another one. Uh-huh. Susie Plaxen. Who, just people who are good enough who have a rapport with the crew who you want to like to be like Chief O'Brien and to just stick around because they're so great. Yeah. And it's really hard to contrive reasons for Delancey to come back. You're right. If he just never gotten his powers back and stayed yeah. in the, on the ship, that would have been fantastic. That would have been a really interesting – it would have been really interesting to have that character around every week. It also, unfortunately, seems like something Voyager would try where like, hey, this was an episode of Next Gen. Let's flesh it out to a whole thing. Well, I mean, Voyager would basically let anyone be on their crew, so why not a Q? That's true. Uh, no, he shows up. Oh, no, he never. I don't. He I does. don't think they even realized that. Nah, maybe that's not the best idea. Doesn't <laughs> uh, doesn't like he have some weird attraction to Janeway or something? Yep. He wants her to raise her kid at some point. I know that. <sighs> that's weird, especially since he's clearly in love with Picard. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> As we'll see in Tapestry in particular. Yeah. One of my favorite visual jokes of the whole thing. <laughs> hey, Picard. I mean, this episode alone. Hey, Picard, here's my dick. No, that's true. Although, to, to all of their credit, nobody blinks. Nope. Like, they're annoyed that Q's there, but it's not like, oh, no, a naked man. Like, ugh, it's him. A man! <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit near the end where... They don't want to save him as he's leaving to, to uh, get the danger away. Mm. And, uh, you know, the whole selfless act thing. And Picard's like, ugh, beam him back, I guess. And Riker kind of looks at him. He goes, well, it's a perfectly good shuttlecraft. <laughs> There's just like, so many moments They like do that. have a yeah. lot of those, especially in the beginning when he first shows up. And then, um, again, a little bit at the end, like Matt said with the mariachi band, where it's just, they just don't want to deal with him right now. No. We've got the no, moon. And, it's really big. We can't push it. We, we don't have time for this. Yeah, we got problem of the week. We don't have. You know, you can't be. Pro- we can't have two problems of the week. This yeah. is one at a time. We honestly cannot deal with your shit right now. Okay, can right. you come back like next week after? <laughs> Look, if you, if you see filthy rebels showing up, we'll push them aside for you. Okay, yeah, totally. we'll make it. We'll make a spot for you if uh, if somebody from the Chris Aliens shows up. You are whatever. welcome here anytime the Maquis want to show up. Yeah. Anytime. Chris Alien is a terrible street magician. <laughs> There's a bit where he, he orders ten chocolate sundaes because he's never eaten before, and Data tells him that Counselor Troy likes chocolate, which is still the only sentence in the series Bible about Counselor Troy. But uh, I just pictured that bit from Sesame Street. Ten chocolate sundaes, and then the guy falls down the stairs. The nice thing is that they have ten chocolate sundaes on standby for when Troy comes down. <laughs> well, obviously, she likes chocolate. That's the only thing about her. Here for my ten chocolate sundays. Oh, Ugh. we were told you'd be here. Mm. I don't. That's... I don't get the whole waiters in ten forward. And we talked about this a little bit. I, there's a replicator right there. We've seen people operate it by themselves. It's it's fair. they don't necessarily need anyone to do that for them. It's fairly simple. When you if you go to a restaurant, you could just go into the kitchen and pick up your own food, but you have someone bring it to you. It's the same thing. 
Yeah, but there's so many practical reasons why that's not a thing right now. And in addition to the fact that we have money and they don't. Mm -hmm. Those guys are doing this because they volunteered? You, like, you get paid to be a waiter. If, That's you're go, if, you're, if you're going out, do you want to go to the food court, like at uh, Deep Space Nine, or do you want to go to a nice restaurant, like on the Enterprise? But if Honestly, I'm going to, I'd rather forward, go to the food court at DS9. DS9 rocks. If I'm going they do to have the that Enterprise, sweet out place. Yeah. I could just walk to the food for the replicator for 10 seconds and say, give me whatever food, and then I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. With a waiter, you got to make eye contact, you got to pretend to be polite, you got to call them racist. I mean, there's a whole thing. <laughs> to be fair, the waiter's pretending to be polite, too. Oh, I know. No, it's a whole social contract thing that I was hoping by the future we would have avoided. In you know, in some the like rip waiters. Yes. No, like come on, like um, uh, Captain Cisco's uh, dad. His you know his restaurant has waiters in it. Obviously, like on Earth in restaurants they have waiters, but on a starship I don't think they need them. They got replicators. I can't imagine in a society with no money. I can't imagine anyone who's just like, with an infinite amount of free time to do whatever the hell I want. I'm going yeah, I want to, to serve wait. people food. Yes. Exactly. Well, I think part of it too, because Voyager doesn't have just not to just as an example, not to keep bringing up Voyager, but like they don't have waiters in their in their mess hall. But since Enterprise is more of a, a civilian ship as well, maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a question: Does Ten Forward have a, have have a kitchen, or is it just replicators? I'm pretty sure it's just replicators. I'm that pretty sure sucks. There's no adjoining there's room that we've seen somewhere in that we've, ship. We've never seen an exit like. Guinan has an office, but that's it. Otherwise, there's behind the bar and there's out. Yeah. But, but I there's mean, no like, other room. They they specifically say that replicated food is not as good as regular food. Yeah. Yeah, and I think on a starship, you don't get regular food. I just, I think sometimes in the cargo bay, they might have food that they got from somewhere. But for the most part, I think you get replicated food. It's like when you're on a submarine, you get what what's frozen. I feel so weird that, like, the Enterprise would have so much, like, the, the Enterprise D, I, I, I can understand hmm. the original Enterprise is not having a kitchen. Well, they had red cubes yeah, they've until got, the cows came home. Three decks for Keiko's botany lab, they can throw a kitchen in there. Yeah. Well, that's true, and they could be growing food there, too. They could yeah. have a whole yeah, hydroponics thing. The thing is, thing. like, we, we see tons of times where, like, people are just free to explore whatever kind of art they want to do, you know? Yeah, that's true. Like, I I can't imagine that they don't have a kitchen. Riker cooks an omelet the second season. Yeah, in his in his uh, quarters. Yeah. And he, he specifically mentions he got the eggs from some special thing, and somebody had to bring him the uh His the omelet parties. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, he, he specifically mentions how it was kind of a pain in the ass to make it happen. Yeah. Getting the eggs, getting the cooker, like the, the, the range, wasn't easy. And then it sucked anyway. <laughs> Well, he's just also not a very good omelet cook. That's why he yeah. switched to poker. Right. <laughs> That's his thing. I'm now. way better at this. Right. And I get your money. <laughs> well, we don't have money, but yes. I still get a. Me I still get your metaphorical money. Yes, that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. I win the gentleman. <laughs> All right. Any any further business? Uh, I think that's everything. I didn't take very many notes. No, it's it was hard not to just sit back and so watch it. Was just and enjoy. So good, I'm just sitting there just watching yeah. it. I, most of my notes are just copying down funny things that they said or cool things that they said. I didn't make a lot of observations so much as just copy things down. Yeah, I do love, and they're getting good at it. Like really, like without like being silly about it. Like they get later on where Jordy just shouting techno babble and doing really cool yeah. things. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, LeVar Burton gets paid to shout at the ceiling for seven seasons, and he does a really good job of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you had mentioned that your good thing is actually your quote, so uh, what do you got? Um, 
It, this is uh, uh, one of my favorite things in all of Star Trek. Like I said, it was hard to pick one because there was just so much good stuff, but I had, I had to go with this one. I've been entirely preoccupied by a most frightening experience of my own. A couple of hours ago, I realized that my body was no longer functioning properly. I felt weak. I could no longer stand. The life was oozing out of me. I lost consciousness. You fell asleep. Oh, terrifying. How can you stand it day after day? You get used to it. Yeah, and like I said, that's a very quintessential, like, you know, let's explore the human condition, but not in a tiresome gene way. Let's yeah. actually do it in an interesting way that, and it's that actually says something. really stupid when you think about it, but... They, yeah, they play paper, it that, so seriously, and Delancey sells it so well, and it just yeah. works great. There's, there's, there's a similar moment where he's in pain, and he's like, I think I'm in pain. What What is it? What, what should I say? Ow? And and Data and Jordy simultaneously say, ow. And he goes, ow. But just the timing of that scene is so fucking perfect. <laughs> Almost like vaudevillian. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Hey, Jordy. Yeah, Data? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right. He wants to shop at Sunday. Let him have it. <laughs> Should we let him have it, folks? Let him have it. All right. You hide him. To my uh, my generically titled episode, which might as well be called Eye of the Beholder, but it's actually called A Matter of Perspective. We haven't had an Eye of the Beholder for this uh, series No, but yet. every series yeah. gets one, apparently. All right. So Commander Riker is a murder suspect. That's what the horrible trailer for this episode tells us, and that's what happens. Nails beams back from a space station in a pissy mood, and the space station promptly blows up. Then a fussy bureaucrat, who sounds like he should be David Hyde Pierce but isn't for some reason, comes aboard and accuses Bill of being a murderer. What follows is a painstaking recreation on the holodeck of what actually happened on the station. We get three different accounts from three different points of view. It's like Rashomon on the holodeck. It's like Holomon. Holomon. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, so there's a crotchety science... T- type with uh, clown hair who's trying to do some damn thing with cougar waves. His name is Dr. Apgar, and he looks like he should be wearing a bow tie for some reason. There's his wife, who, depending on which version of the story you believe, either tried to seduce number one or got raped by him. Apgar is angry that Starfleet showed up ahead of schedule and has been ordering way too much diamondillium or possibly diamondium to get his cougar waves working in time. He also may or may not be angry that WTR is putting the moves on his wife. While all these contradicting stories are unfolding on the holodeck, the nerd squad, Data, Jordy, and Wesley, sort out what really happened. Dr. Cranky Pants actually tried to assassinate Bill Sr.'s little boy, but his beam backfired and killed him instead. So what it really comes down to is this guy tried to kill the first officer of the Starship Enterprise and make it look like it was a transporter accident. He just didn't count on Chief O'Brien being so awesome. That's what I took away from this episode anyway. I'm very impressed that yeah, you were able to right. use every Riker nickname we've come up with so yeah, far. I, I was struggling toward the end there, but yeah, I managed to uh, <laughs> managed to pull it out. I think. <laughs> I just I love and and for those of you who also listen to Sarcastic Voyage, we actually did a sketch making fun of these old trailers because we were watching them on YouTube not too long ago. You know, the next time on Star Trek, the next generation. That's a real uh, That's a real fond remembrance from my childhood. Yeah, any of you who watched the show in, in first run syndication will, will remember. And Flunk, you said you came in a little too late, so you didn't really catch yeah, this. Yeah, I remember but, um, very well. Just terrible delivery. The guy obviously had no idea the copy was just handed to him. Mm. And he actually says, Commander Riker is a murder. Suspect. <laughs> Is that supposed to be the reveal? Like, for a minute, we think he's a murderer? But, oh, wait, no. Murder suspect. That makes more sense. Somebody in this room is a murderer. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so my good thing, well, I like the I like using the holodeck for something other than fun. It's a cool idea. I like the wildly divergent tones of the recreated testimony. And like, you just see them going, it was a chair. Oh, God. Yeah. No. No, I hate that episode. <laughs> With an no, this, arm. This was, this was cool because Riker, in his version, is a total gentleman, polite, like, Boy Scout. Yeah, like, he's just Captain America. Oh, Excuse yeah, me, exactly. ma'am. You must... You seem to be yeah. misplaced your clothing. Let me uh, let me pull this chair out for you, and then yeah, <laughs> and then, and then in her version, and then in her version, he's literally trying to rape her. Yeah, tearing her dress off. That was super uncomfortable, by the Just way. Just this but I like the way, creepy, I like rapey the smile. The way Frank's played it, yeah, with the smile and looking her up and down all the time, mm-hmm. and just like it's it's so over the top, but it's like that's how she saw it. I almost would would have liked if they played up actual Riker's outrage about that. Like he gets really pissed off and leaves, but like it that takes just a while feels, for him to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that would like that just feels flat out insulting to him. But I think I think it would take away from the conceit of the episode, which is yeah, it's the Rashomon thing, and I don't think Rashomon invented it, but that's one of the most famous things that that has used this device, which is everyone sees the story a little differently, and the truth ends up being sort of a bit from each one. Mm. I assumed that they had stolen the idea from that episode of Batman. No, that also stole it from Rashomon. Damn it! Uh, my bad thing. Um, that said, a, a member of the crew is wrongfully accused of murder is already a tired plot, and we haven't even seen the other three series yet. I just, I, I get so sick of this one. Mm. It's, they didn't do it. We know they didn't do it. And and they come up with some clever things, and I actually like the way this turns out. I like the way it's solved. But I just, uh, again, really, uh, he didn't do it. Just like Scotty. Just like, you know, I don't know, probably Tom Paris. Uh, yeah, Kirk. and Tom and Harry, actually. Ah, see? In the same episode. Yeah, see? That, uh, no. I and I'm not even, that's not even a specific hit at Voyager. It's just every Star Trek series. I'm pretty sure there's at least one Deep Space Nine episode like that, too, and I oh, adore Deep Space Nine. Oh, uh, O'Brien. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. That doesn't count because O'Brien has to suffer, and there's only so many ways to make a man suffer. Right? Yeah, well, throwing I, him in jail I, I, for something he didn't do is a damn good one. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure Quark got arrested for murder at least three times during this during the course of that series. Yeah. If just so him and Odo could could hash it out. Right. But, I mean, this is just a thing that they do over mm-hmm. and over and over again, and it's every time it's a little less interesting to me. Now, in this episode's defense, at the very least, uh, no one was murdered because Riker was possessed by the ghost of Jack the Ripper. That is true. It was a very near miss, but that is very true. Yeah. Or no one was murdered because they were Irish. Well, yeah, also true. We don't know that. And there was a complete lack of Hengus in this episode. Yeah, that's a damn shame. That is a damn shame. He would have fit in quite nicely, actually. Uh, no, he looked a little less ridiculous than some of these people. Here's what I think happened, Captain Picard. <laughs> this is my version of the story. Uh, what about you, Flunk? Good thing, bad thing? Uh, my good thing is that Riker's dick got him into trouble, and these are things that Kirk never bothered to think about. And <laughs> he knew right from the beginning, like, right, even before the ship blew up, when Jordy gets it back first, he's like, Oh, yeah, there's a very, yeah, at the very beginning things of the teaser, went he's like, really his bad. Ooh, I, Captain, I, I, don't, ooh. I don't want to talk about it, but you need to talk with Bill when he gets here. <laughs> and you hear, you hear Riker on the communicator saying, I'm ready to leave now. And you're like, Oh, God, what happened? Uh, please. And we all know it's a woman. Like, all three of us immediately. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And your bad thing? Uh, my bad thing is that it, the episode really could have just been two minutes because it's really easy to prove a record and shoot anybody because he had no phaser with him when he'd been back. 
That is a good point. Although he could have left it over there. Yeah. But, I mean, he didn't have one on him in the first place. Yeah. I mean, like, apparently we can perfectly recreate everything that happened from three different people's points of view, but we don't have access to video cameras. Well, they blew up with the station. Ah, touche. <laughs> you win this round, Al. All right, then. I win every round. Because <laughs> whenever you win, I edit it the out. winner is you. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I, for the most part, I actually like the way the, the, it unfolded, and I like the mystery. Like, it actually made sense, and you sort of had all the clues there, and you could have maybe sort of half-assed put it together. And unlike, say, Star Trek VI, where the mystery didn't really make much sense, and it just came out of left field, oh, there's a bird of prey that can shoot. Mm-hmm. Really? But no, in this case, it was kind of cool, and I, I like what ended up happening was the dude tried to kill Riker, and the thing bounced right back and killed him instead. Good. Fuck you. <laughs> Serves you right. Don't don't fuck with nails. <laughs> uh, you see what you did wrong, pal. You should not have crossed crossed William William Nails Riker. <laughs> William William T Nails Riker. <laughs> uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, my good thing was the the alluring and insane haircut of <laughs> yes of uh. Doctor, whatever the hell his name was, uh, assistant. Well, Doctor, to be fair, all the dear people had crazy hair, but hers in particular was just ridiculous. hers was the most wondrous of them all. Yeah, this is this is an example of they had sort of um, uh, eye, sort of eyebrowy kind of antlers, I guess is is what Flonk's running with because he calls them the deer people. Mm-hmm. But, the the uh, inspector yeah. just looked like a deer. The way he held yeah, his head that, and the way he kept nibbling on that shrubbery. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit deer-like, I guess. Plus, when uh, when Bill almost ran him over with his car, he just froze. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> just a shuttlecraft going down the hallway. <laughs> so, really, what we're writing now is uh, is is uh, Bambi beams aboard and puts Riker on trial for killing his mother. I would watch that episode. That's pretty close to what happened. Pretty much, uh, but but the uh, other Mr. Thumper, and what do you have to say? You can't say something nice. Don't say nothing at all. So there, there was the, there was the deer man. There was uh, Doctor Apgar, who just he looked like a, no relation. a clown, a, a <laughs> yeah, sort of orchestra conductor. He just looked ridiculous. Hair and, had like yeah. Dilbert's boss's hair. Yeah, that was it. That's that's what he had. But um, but so there was they they did some stuff with the face, but then they all had crazy sculpted hair. Mm. And the one lady had, I, I mean, we described it 50 different ways through the course of the episode. It looked like a cannon. <laughs> it looked like, it looked like a snake should be coming out of there. <laughs> like he starts playing, a, playing his trombone and a snake dances out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what killed the old man. Case closed. Of course, he was eaten by cobras. Obviously. And then later, they all had a nice fondue out of her head. <laughs> my, my fondue part? Oh, come on. If you guys don't get that one, no one's going to. Yeah. I'm guessing a blue uh, laser. And your bad thing? Uh, uh, scientist guy whose name I've already forgotten, because I keep just wanting to say Algar. No. That's a ridiculous Adgar alien name. Far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wife's face was just bizarre. <laughs> Okay, the, she did have a bit of a Joan Crawfordy look to her. Oh, where she Mr. needed to paint some eyebrows. And now, wire hanger. Oh, Mister Riker, <laughs> what a pleasure it will be to seduce you. No, she wasn't Lucille Ball, Matt. I disagree. And her hair looked like the top of a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there's a great bit where Riker beams over. It's it's we're still in the the teaser, and um, Riker's and O'Brien's like, oh, thank God you made it, and he's like, why? What happened to the station? And just matter of factly, O'Brien goes, oh, it exploded. I love that. You know, things yeah, exploded. So oh yeah, exploded. You look, didn't know? We, look, yeah, we obviously. live in Star Trek. Shit blows up all the time. Yep. Uh, there's, I there's assume the they whole... didn't take the the potato out of the tin flow when they put it in the microwave. Well, obviously, that's that's usually what causes it. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, and the other time it's the beams reflecting back and destroying your cougar waves or whatever the <laughs> fuck it was. John Cougar Melon waves. <laughs> they have the, they had a weird thing on the planet where you're guilty until proven innocent, which I think works to much greater effect when we get to the Cardassians in Deep Space Nine because well, yeah. they have this great sort of Orwellian court system there. But uh, it makes a lot more sense with the Cardassians because that just their they're entire, crazy and evil. Just everything about them. Yep. Um. What else? I don't know. In general, I like the idea of using the holodeck like this. I think mm-hmm. it's a neat idea, and I think they, they use it pretty effectively. But uh, Yes, I just see them I, using it for, for work instead of play. Yeah. yeah. No, I was I just finished reading a DS9 novel that was that had, that had featured uh, Odo using the entire uh, DS9 holosuites for murder investigation, and I, mm-hmm. it's a really cool concept. Yeah, it is. I just, I think, I didn't dislike this episode. I didn't love it. It was just sort of very middle of the pack. It's... I guarantee when we go back and do our summaries later, we're going to be like, which one was this one? Yeah. It was, in general, like, oh, the one where they used the holiday, of course. But otherwise, it was pretty forgettable. Like, there's no scenes that really jump out at me. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really any. I mean, there's there's one big laugh at the beginning that has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. And when we get to my quote, we'll we'll get to that. But like a there, Simpsons episode that, that way. What's that? It's like a Simpsons episode that way. Uh, yeah. I don't know. They, they do a lot of the unrelated teasers, though. They do a lot of the, here's the crew relaxing before the emergency hits. And I don't mind that. Like, we'll start out with them in their everyday lives, and then the episode starts happening. That doesn't bother yeah, me. Yeah, that's right, the painting thing. Yeah, exactly. Which, For, I, again, I'll get... I, yeah. Don't, but, uh... Two episodes in a row with Sidebutt right in the first two minutes. Yes. That's true. You have Delancey uh, materializing on the bridge naked, and then in this one you have uh, a painting class or whatever painting a nude model. And, this uh, is the most nudity we've had in a Trek episode since, uh... Ever? Yeah. Until since Enterprise, probably? Yeah. <laughs> Until until they start rubbing each other down with sensual oils on Enterprise for no Wait, apparent we reason. Troy's mom's wedding yet. oils. Oh, of course. No, I don't think her. I think I can't remember. Well, there's the uncomfortable mud bath with Alexander. Yeah, yeah we haven't gotten that, there yet. We, Alexander also, is still a fetus. She tries to mention, um, or, or she tries to marry um, uh, Charles Winchester from Mash, <laughs> but I think that's like next season. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Naked Major Barrett action, as you like it. I do like it. I know you do. I don't care if she's 70. There's the uncomfortably titled Menage Troy that has them getting kidnapped yeah. by the Ferengi. They're naked in that yeah. one. I actually like that title. It's a little ridiculous. As far as stupid pun titles go, that's pretty good. It's way better than Hide and Q. But is it better than Fistful of, of Datas? Yes. <laughs> uh, God, I hate Fistful of Data so much. And it's not even a terrible episode. Like, it's, it's kind of dumb. But but that title is... Oh, God. Tonight we'll be watching A Fistful of Datas. Fuck you. <laughs> you couldn't come up with any any Western homage better than that. that that's like the... It's like... You the good, the bad, and the data? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that would have been slightly better. It's like in the Q episode previously, they had some pretty terrible puns, but most of them were okay, except um, the boy who cried wharf. <laughs> that one didn't really land for me. 
Man, now I, now I wish they'd done a Western Voyager episode and called it the Magnificent 709. Yeah, see, there's that's kind of almost clever. I'm sure they just use that title at some point, regardless. Uh, they must have, right? <laughs> there's there's probably a novel called that. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Written by Peter David. Of course. Uh, what else we got? Starring every like, character ever. <laughs> Who just conveniently know each other. Yeah, sure. Why yeah. not? They're the best friends. Yep. Like I said, though, this one's just sort of standard and not bad, but it's like, I, I'm looking over my notes, it's like, yeah, that, that happened, we covered that already, that's already I, a thing. I mean, it's not just that it's an unremarkable episode, I mean, it's not a, like, it's not a bad episode, but it's... No, it's fine, totally middle of the pack, this is a 5 out of 10. The real, the, the problem is, though, that the episode is basically broken down into the same thing happening three times. Yeah, but they do make it different enough that it's not annoying. No, I'm not saying that it's annoying. I'm just saying that's why there's not a whole lot to talk about here. I suppose that's true. Like, as small as the plot is, it's shrunk even more when you repeat it three times. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, when we get to that one time loop episode, I'm wondering how we're going to do that, which I love that episode. (laughs) Entire summary is just going to be the Enterprise explodes. Right. Enterprise crashes into Kelsey Grammer, the end. (laughs) Uh, Look out, Kelsey Grammer! It had a good um, effect when, because the way um, they figured out what's going on is that the, the, there's radiation hitting ship, and, and they figured out it's because the holodeck simulation was so perfect, it's actually reacting yeah, off the stuff on the, the planet rea- yeah, and, and causing fantastic. more explosions. And yep. so then that's how they proved that Nails is innocent, and it, there's a big explosion at the end, and it just kind of disintegrates into the standard grid holodeck, and that, that was a holodeck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the Imaginarium, depending on that. The the accusatorium. Right. (laughs) Uh, Anything else? Will the entire bridge crew please report to the holodeck for the accusing parlor simulation? (laughs) Oh, um, not this episode, but I've seen him in a couple now. Um, Iris Stephen Bear is one of the producers now, and he's one of the masterminds behind Deep Space Nine, so it's nice to see that his influence is starting to get the good guys on board, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, him and, Ron, him and Ron Moore. Those are our guys. And there's another, there's a third guy. Uh, Robert Wolf? Right something like that? Yeah, that's him, Robert Hewitt Wolf. Yeah. That's the guy. The boy who cried Robert Hewitt Wolf. <laughs> the bear, the wolf, and the more. More. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so now my quote is from that scene at the beginning where they're painting, and Picard uh, asks Data to uh, tell him what he thinks of his painting. Interesting. Oh. Thank you. In what way? While suggesting the free treatment of form usually attributed to Favism, this quite inappropriately attempts to juxtapose the disparate cubistic styles of Picasso and Leger. In addition, the use of color suggests a haphazard melange of clashing styles. Furthermore, the unsettling overtones of proto-Vulcan influences. Thank you, Mr. Data. You are welcome, sir. Which is like a Vogon asking what what you think of his poem. Just uh, there's no good way to answer that. I liked it. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh yes, the uh... the underlying Voganity. <laughs> exactly. Humanity, Voganity. Right. Sorry. So that is all for this week. Next week we are. I, I've been teasing this for a while, but seriously, this is the best two episode lineup I think we're ever going to have, and it may we may top it someday. But this is maybe the two best episodes of Next Gen in a row that we're ever going to have. I'm really looking forward to this. And this is one of those, we don't have any guests. This is just me and you time, Matt. Aw. Mommy and Dad are going to go be alone for a while. Those are the best episodes of all. Just going to pour a nice bottle of wine, turn the lights down, and watch Star Trek. 
Yeah. Bottle of wine, my ass. I got a box. Classy. Oh, yeah. I got, I got a Slurpee, and he can't have one. Oh, man, you dick. <laughs> you picked wine. You chose fruit. It's a wine Slurpee. <laughs> I've had those. They're not great. No, you might mm. as well just get a margarita if you want a Slurpee with liquor in it. Mm-hmm. Mar- well, I know what I'm doing when I hang up. Yep. <laughs> All right, Flunk. Well, always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll talk to you again next season. Probably. And, uh, probably. And Matt, say the thing that you say. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.